welcome uh, for this for this class where we will be teaching and speaking about a great theme and, and topic and subject that uh, many times <coughs> greatly misunderstood. Uh, we will be speaking about uh, Pentecost. We will be speaking about uh, this so-called sometimes second blessing of the Holy Spirit. We will be speaking about the true meaning, biblical meaning of, of, of the Pentecost, how we see it in the scriptures. Uh, we will touch uh, the error of this explanation and overemphasizing certain things. Uh, let's look. Uh, let's look into the scriptures. It was uh, Pentecost was this Sunday. Uh, we preached about the faithfulness of God and about uh, our position, what God makes us, and what we were before and what we are now in Christ. But still relating to the to this last Sunday, uh, the Pentecost, uh, it was a big celebration in many churches and of course in, in ours also. But let's let's uh, let's give a right frame to this to this teaching. And uh, before we open scriptures, just a short prayer. Dear God, uh, we just ask you to lead us in the scriptures. Thank you that. We have, we have your mind revealed in this book. Thank you that you protected the Bible through the centuries and millenniums. And it's our source for our life. It's the authority of our life. Thank you that we can be led by your word. We can get corrected. We can get encouraged, built up. It's a light unto our path. Just bless this, this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Turn with me, please, into the book of John, chapter 20, verse 19. <clears throat> it says here, this is after crucifixion, and it says, And the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. Uh, I just want to point out this one interesting thing. Uh, Jesus has been crucified, he has been buried, and he rose again. He hasn't been seen by many of the disciples yet, he hasn't been seen by Thomas, uh, and he's uh, revealing uh, himself being resurrected. This is one of these occasions, and we see that these uh, followers of Jesus were assembled for fear of the Jews. Like no wonder, imagine you are, uh, you are following your master, uh, you are following your teacher, you are expecting him to, to establish the earthly rule on earth, the earthly kingdom, 1000 years for Jews, and uh, what happens, uh, your Messiah, the Redeemer of the nation of Israel is uh, crucified, and he becomes the Redeemer of, of the whole world. So they are assembled for the fear, they don't really uh, comprehend what's going on now, but they are being rem uh, reminded the Old Testament scriptures and all the prophecies concerning Jesus, and they are regaining their, their faith. But they've been assembled uh, by the fear of the Jews. Now, into the book of Acts, chapter 2, this is, this is the, the beginning of the Pentecost where we can learn a lot. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven with a rushing mighty wind. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. Now you have, you have a big change here. Uh, from the uh, disciples, which were uh, Jews-fearing disciples, now they became these amazing proclaimers of the truth of the Word of God. We see this, that Peter, all of them speak in, in uh, languages. Peter stands up and delivers his sermon. And he says, verse 23, uh, him speaking about Jesus being delivered, by the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by your wicked hands and crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, which could not hold him. I'm just uh, reading quick, making it short abbrevi abbreviations. So we see that uh, they start to preach boldly uh, to the Jews. And this is, this is one of the aspects I just want to like really point out. That's, that's the meaning of the Pentecost uh, the, the, the all the before time promised coming of uh, of the Holy Spirit, Parakletos came, and he empowered these believers uh, to be led and and to do these uh, great and mighty works of God. So just remember that from God, uh, that from uh, Jews fearing group of disciples, they are being changed into let's say God-fearing group because now they are not of course uh, manipulated by the torment of the fear but they have a reverence and they are led led by the by the God not fearing the Jews anymore which is which is really amazing uh, now turn with me into into Genesis because we mentioned they started to speak in tongues and what I want to really do I want to see the, the whole context and idea be, behind the tongues and speaking because when you when you want to make some conclusion when you want to come to some uh, doctrinal teaching uh, we have to understand uh, the book and the mind of God revealed from cover to cover we have to actually understand what does it what does it says uh, before how it how it defines this line of thought we don't want to just just take one part let's say book of acts uh chapter two read it and make some harsh conclusions from it and come to to wrong teaching let's let's look at it from from the beginning genesis chapter 11 we know this story it's it's a tower of uh, of babel and genesis uh, 11 verse 9 therefore is the name of it called babel which means confusion because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from there did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth now uh, just to get the idea everybody knows this story uh, Tower of Babel uh, this is the epitome of humanity they are independent of God they are building this high tower uh, it's, a, it's a symbol of pride reminds us Isaiah 14 when uh, Lucifer says I will ascend I will go up 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 uh, lifting himself up 
not being uh, submitted to God. And God, because of this, confounded, <coughs> or it says, confused the languages. So they could not understand each other. They were in groups, they could not communicate across. And because they could not communicate, simply say, bring the brick and you, you, you bring some mortal, uh, some, some clay that we can, we can uh, continue with the building. They just could not communicate and, and they, they were scattered abroad. There was like big confusion, big fear came. And, and we see that in this sense, these uh, foreign languages, foreign tongues, we can say, uh, mean judgment in a, in a simple understanding of a, of a Jewish mind uh, in this case. And we see that this, this idea is being repeated in many uh, other places in the Bible. Isaiah 28, we can see there is another uh, occasion which speaks about the language which is not being understood. Just see Isaiah 28, and and we can see this uh, being connected uh, again with the with the direct uh, explanation of a, of a judgment. Uh, speaking about the priests here, Isaiah 28. We start in verse six. It says here, "For a spirit of judgment." To him that sits in judgment. Here were people who were supposed to uh, be able to make discernment. They were sitting in the seat of judgment. They were sitting in the gates of the city. Uh, and he says, I'm giving this spirit of, of judgment. I, I'm judging them. Uh, because, uh, verse 7, they have erred through wine. They have, they have made a mistake. They made an error through the wine. It's, a, it's clearly understood if you, if you drink wine, you are not able to drink car because your uh, reactions get slow. Your so-called judgment is not so precise like when a person is sober. Uh, uh, when you drink a lot, your speech gets uh, dim. You cannot pronounce correctly. Your speech gets slow and you have problems in pronunciation, you just, you just get drunk. Uh, so the communication to get thought of line across or even articulate this, this thought is becoming more difficult. He continues here that through the strong drink, they are out of the way. Uh, exa exactly again, driving a car or walking on a path when a person is really drunk through wine or strong drink, he cannot keep straight on a path, he gets out of the way. Uh, in a symbolic speech, he gets out of the purpose of God. He was supposed to go certain way, he was led somewhere, but he gets out of the way. And speaking here about the priest and prophet, which erred through the wine, through the strong drink, and they are out of the way and, and they err in vision, they stumble in judgment. The vision is not clear, uh, seeing the future uh, is not clear, the, the judgment so-called is not, is not there. Uh, judgment in a sense recognizing left and right what's, what's good and bad, uh, how to prepare for future, having, having no vision, no le leadership. And it says here verse 8 that all the tables are full of vomit, 
and filthiness and there is no clean place. This is a result of, of a very strong, uh, strongly uh, uh, person who is like really drunk. You know, they, they throw up, they vomit. Uh, and then he says, uh, God, like, what shall, what shall I do? Verse 9, whom shall he teach knowledge? You know, the prophets, uh, the priests, the people who were supposed to lead the nation, people who were sitting in the judgment seat and were supposed to judge, uh, judge Israel, uh, they are out of the way. They, they cannot make a normal judgment. Uh, and he says, whom shall I teach the doctrine? Whom shall I teach the truth? This is this calling. Because verse 10, precept must be upon precept, line upon line. Things should be in order. Uh, we should start from the beginning to the end. That's why we do this research about the tongues and meaning. Verse 11, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people. Now, because he sees they have erred, they have made mistake, God makes decision and he will judge the nation. And here saying with the another tongue, which means uh, invasion by, by army from, from another country. Uh, uh, people who, who know this, uh, either by experience uh, or through the scriptures, through studying of history, uh, historical events, you know exactly what it means. Imagine a woman being in a city. She's uh, baking some unleavened bread uh, pancakes. And then you see, you hear this cry in the city, this screaming. People run away uh, and, and there is an army of like a strange tongue, just invasion. They speak with a different language. Uh, and you know immediately there is some type of judgment. Something is going on. Uh, death broke in, uh, slavery, uh, no more freedom, uh, obedience to another rules, being retaught, uh, and another ideas, and also being uh, taught to worship another gods. Because we see this, what happened with the Assyrian uh, Babylonian captivity. Uh, Nehemiah speaks about this 70 years in, in captivity. They've been captured by Babylonian Empire. Uh, and, and you see this in Daniel, they've been taught to worship at the gods. So this is, this is a judgment on a rebellious uh, uh, Israel, which actually means uh, that uh, the, <clears throat> the wrath of God is piling up. And then, then comes a moment when God says, I will, I will judge them with this, with this uh, ultimate or uh, one of the degrees of the judgments of God, this uh, invasion. Another, another example is in Jeremiah 48, verse 26. Jeremiah 48, verse 26. Here speaking about the Moab. Moab is a nation which was not definitely obedient to God. Moab was a nation which was passive. You know, not necessarily... Uh, being uh, evil, though in this case the Moab was evil because they, they worshipped uh, Chemosh, verse 13, Jeremiah 48, 13, Moab was worshipping of Chemosh, which is a demonic worship. But also we see in, in another part that Moab was just passive, he wasn't turned, you know, speaking about a half-baked cake, uh, uh, baking which is not turned so you get burned on one side on the other side it's not done 
uh, this is a big warning for us not to not to get not to get or stay passive but rather to to joyfully get involved in in the work of God as he calls us so Moab was one of these and he says he gets his judgment here 48 we said verse 26 speaking about Moab make him drunken for he magnified himself against the Lord Moab also shall wallow in his vomit he also shall be in derision derision uh, again uh, rebellious nation not obeying God being passive uh, toward the voice of God uh, lifting up himself against the authority of the Lord God says make him drunken a picture of, uh, of a judgment uh, he will be drunk he will swallow in his vomit he will he will be in delusion he will not really know where he is going why is it is he doing it uh, he will he will be like, like a drunken person like a drunk this is one of the judgments and again also the communication uh, tongue is bound uh, he cannot communicate Isaiah 19 verse 14 speaks about another judgment uh, on Egypt uh, Egypt against uh, a nation which is not obeying God and God says uh, that he will pour on him perverse spirit spirit which is perverse twisted and it's a spirit of drunkenness again so you see the right as a wrong you see the wrong as a right there is this delusion there is this perverseness uh everything is upside down uh uh communication is is uh, uh twisted and not understood and also there is let me see it here there is another one uh speaking just vocal about vocal cords about our voice uh directly connected with uh with the demons isaiah 29 verse 4 isaiah 29 verse 4 let's read it this is very interesting passage <clears throat> 29 verse 4 it says and you shall be brought down and shall speak out of the ground again the judgment you will be pushed down and from this ground from this dust you will speak and your speech shall be low out of the dust and your voice shall be as one that has a familiar spirit out of the ground and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust yeah you will have a familiar spirit uh, speaking from the dust uh, speaking from the place where where the serp serpent was uh, judged to be that in his belly he shall eat dust uh, speaking uh, about the person whose vocal cords whose voice was used by the demons by a familiar spirit uh, we can see this in many cases uh, demonic possessions people speak uh, out of strange spirits and etc so again this strange voice uh unust un understandable languages may even refer to a uh, demonic uh expression in this case so just just keep this this in mind now what's important we kind of like get a picture about the ununderstandable tongue what does it mean 
ununderstandable language in the in the, in the picture and how Bible uh, defines it and and what it means. Uh, basically, it means uh, judgment. When you hear a, a tongue that you or language that you do not understand, some type form of judgment, either uh, directly on that person and on that nation, or later on even. Uh, it's announcement of this of this uh, coming judgment when when uh, let's say the nation is so-called drunk and they could not communicate it's full of uh, vomit not clear vision the, the prophets and priests do not communicate clearly uh, it reminds us modern age today in in many many countries and many nations when the state religion may look this way uh, uh, then, then the judgment of God comes further, and there's this another tongue invasion, another language invasion, which is a foreign nation uh, military invasion. They come and, and they they take the land, as it happens with Israel and the Babylonian Babylonian invasion, the Babylonian Assyrian Empire later on. Uh, now, Matthew 12, we we have this uh, picture of Jesus coming and just stay with me connected because now you will see really great things Matthew 12 verse 24 Jesus is coming Jesus is teaching and he performs his miracles and here uh, he performs one of the greatest miracles verse verse 22 then was brought unto him unto Jesus one possessed with the devil blind and dumb and he, Jesus, healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Uh, verse 23, And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? This is beautiful. Common people heard him gl gladly. Common people had a common sense of understanding and making the true judgment. They recognized the Messiah is here, who he is performing miracles, um, to uh, to make a proof of his authority and his messiahship. Nevertheless, verse 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, they could not deny the miracle which they saw with their own eyes, and they didn't want to recognize it and ascribe it to Jesus as a proof of his messianic ship. So they said, this fellow does not cast out the devils, but by Beelzebub. The prince of the devils. Uh, they could not deny it, so they said he does it with the, with the power of demons. Uh, Jesus speaks to them and he says, "Every kingdom can be divided." Now, and he makes this this uh, long speech. He he addresses them that they ascribe him the power of Beelzebub, and then he says, uh, "You verse thirty-four." Uh, you are generation of vipers. Even before he says there's a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, because you see the miracles and works of Holy Spirit before your very eyes, and you ascribe it to the devil, not recognizing it. Again, verse 39, he speaks the generation of vipers. They are even asking him about the new sign, and uh, he, verse 38, and he says. 39, you seek after a sign, and no sign shall be given unto you but the sign of the prophet of Jonah. 
speaking being three days in the, in the belly of the whale and then uh, being resurrected, uh, making reference to his crucifixion. So he says basically, I have nothing to do with you anymore with this religious crowd of Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, the spiritual leaders of the country of those days. You do not recognize uh, my miracles. I did everything I could prove myself and my messiah, messiahship. You just reject me. Uh, you are just tempting me, asking more signs. He says, the only sign, the last sign for you is the death, burial and resurrection. Uh, now, because of this, uh, there comes this, this uh, great passage uh, when when uh, he speaks to them in parables. Okay, verse uh, chapter 13, continuation. The same day Jesus went, verse 3, and he spoke them unto, unto them in parables. And he gave them the, the parable. Now, the reason of the parables. Verse 10, disciples came and said unto him, Why do you speak unto them in parables? And he answered, because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it's not given. This is, this is the judgment. Uh, because they were rejecting Jesus as Messiah, he makes his judgment and he starts to speak in parables. Before he was speaking openly, uh, uh, before this event he was speaking uh, with the open clear communication. Uh, now, uh, as he is being rejected, he comes to this uh, judgment on this generation of vipers, uh, judgment on the leadership of Israel, and he says, now you will not understand, I speak in parables. To my people, to my disciples, it's given to understand. Uh, he gives a later on explanation when you read parables. They come to him and they say, explain us, what does it mean? And he explains them. But people who are not around Jesus, who are not in this uh, uh, fellowship with, with Jesus Christ, they do not recognize him. To them, it's not given to understand it. They just receive a parable. They hear some, some story, but they don't really know the spiritual meaning. So again, they are being judged by communication, which is not being understood on the other part for the purpose. So we see here Jesus using this principle of uh, placing judgment on somebody. Uh, uh, in a practice, even we do this in, in, in our culture. Uh, you want to speak, and we should not do... It's a question of morality. I'm not going to get into it if it's right or not. But let's say you speak about somebody. With, uh, you speak with somebody about somebody like third party. As you communicate, you don't want the third person to understand what you say, so you either whisper or you start to speak in uh, another language because you know he, he speaks uh, Serbian and English, so you will start to speak Finnish or Czech. So you have a private communication and he doesn't understand. The only thing he understands that you started to speak suddenly in a language that he cannot understand. So he gets the point. You are speaking something about him. You are making some judgment. You are judged him out of the fellowship. He is not part of this communication anymore. And this is actu actually what, what, what happened here. And also in these Old Testament uh, passages so many times. 
Now, Jesus is being rejected. Okay. Uh, and we are coming to this, uh, to this uh, Pentecost. Uh, let's turn, before we get into this passage in Book of Acts, properly, let's turn into Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. You know, uh, in a charismatic and Pentecostal movements and backgrounds, uh, speaking in tongues or speaking in languages, I'm for a purpose using both terms, and I'll explain later on why. Uh, uh, speaking in tongues for them is the proof of some uh, second baptism, uh, and etc. Sometimes they call it second baptism, sometimes they call it uh, the fire of the spirit uh, being baptized uh, by the by the fire and etc they are using a Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 it says John the Baptist says indeed I baptize you with water unto repentance but he that comes after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear speaking about Jesus himself he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this is what they say, you know, you need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, you need to have a fire baptism, etc. Uh, well, if you read a broader context, uh, you know that this is, uh, again, judgment, because he says in a, in a verse, uh, verse 6, people were being baptized of him, in the river Jordan confessing their sins but when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees which came to baptism he said unto them O generation of vipers using the same terms as Jesus he sees this unbelieving cursed generation and he says to them I warn you you want to flee from the wrath of come which is to come they are rejecting John the Baptist, they are rejecting his authority, they are rejecting his baptism. That's why in verse 11 he says, Now I baptize with water unto repentance. After me comes Jesus Christ who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which is to the believers, and fire, which is a judgment to unbelievers. Explained, this is being explained in verse 12, whose fan in his, is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the point. He, he explains it. You see that the Bible is like self-explanatory. We cannot make quick conclusions. We have to study, read, and, and get, get, like we say, like full counsel of God from, from cover to cover. So being baptized by the fire is a term being used in the Bible by the by the judgment. Uh, uh, you will you will you will simply say you will burn. You are either baptized by the Holy Spirit or you will be judged by the fire. You will burn. Uh, judgment. Now, uh, when we turn finally back into the Book of Acts, when we started the Book of Acts, chapter two. And now we will we will see clearly what happened here in the light of understanding uh, of this. 
chapter 2. So we see here that uh, that these tongues, like as of a fire, sit upon each of them. He spoke about the fire as it being uh, judgment. And you will see here that these disciples started to speak these languages because they were proclaiming this judgment upon the nation of Israel. Let's see it. And they started to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance, verse 4, with other tongues. Verse 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and because every man heard them speak in his own language. So here you see they start to speak in a normal uh, foreign tongues or foreign languages. By the way, in Greek and also in Slavic languages, uh, Czech, Polish, Serbian, Ukraine, Russian, uh, and let's touch the Balkans, Slovenian, uh, 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 Croatian, uh, the Slavic languages, I hope I didn't leave out any group, uh, they are using the word tongue, this tongue, both for a member of a mouth and also for a foreign language. In Serbian, we can say škola stranih jezika, which means a school of a foreign tongues or foreign languages. Same is, is in Czech. Škola cizích jazyků. It's a school of a foreign tongues, literally, but meaning languages. So, the same way, Greek is using this, this, uh, this principle. So, they spoke in tongues, they spoke in languages. You see how, how the Greek is using it in verse 4, in verse 6, speaking about Acts chapter 2. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Galileans, simple fishermen, they had no uh, education of universities in different languages. Uh, they did not study and they were so amazed how this is possible. Verse 8, and how here we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. This is another explanation. It was a national tongue, national language. And they spoke, verse 9, Parthian, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia. Uh, some of these are uh, not so clear for us. It's mainly regions, uh, more regions than nations. Uh, but it's, a, it's a certain people groups. And now we see Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, uh, Cyrene, Rome, Jews, verse 11, uh, Crete, Arabians. So imagine these people spoke Persians, Arab, Arab languages, Libyans, and, and other uh, known languages. And we, we can see here 11, and we hear them speak in our own tongues or languages the wonderful works of God. So this is the purpose. Holy Spirit comes and empowers these disciples which were gathered by the fire, symbolizing the judgment, you will see later on, and they speak these national languages, proclaiming 
the gospel of God, these wonderful works, what God has done, that he is risen. Verse 12, and they were all amazed, and they were saying one to another, what does it mean? Exactly. What does it mean? When you hear this ununderstandable language, foreign invasion, uh, priests erring in their communication, uh, singing in a churches in a language which is dead and not being used uh, this used to happen in the past and and actually going on today uh, in the Roman Catholic churches they speak in a Latin nobody understands this language today if you don't study it specifically so lay people they have they have no understanding the only thing they can say just what does it mean we don't understand uh, similar way in uh, Orthodox churches speaking old Slavic language, uh, having a liturgy in this language, people really do not understand, the common people who come to the church, they really do not understand what is going on. So you should understand, based on the Bible studies, if you listen to this language that you don't understand, what does it mean? Something is wrong, something is happening, and we will see it beautifully explained. Verse 13, Others were mocking and they said, they are full of new wine. They are drunken. We don't understand them. These people must be drunken. And then Peter says, verse 15, they are not drunken as you suppose. They are not. But what happened is what was prophesied by Joel. Uh, Joel and he's explaining that they are like delivering uh, the message, verse 23 and 24, about Jesus being uh, risen and, and crucified for our, uh, uh, for our uh, sins and being risen from the death. So, as you see it, uh, they are proclaiming the judgment on the nation of Israel because from this moment the gospel is being preached to the other nations. There was a time when Jesus said, and you remember it, I don't have a reference now, exact reference, just came to my mind. But when Jesus said, uh, go and preach to the Jews only. You know, go to my house, do not go to the Gentiles. Because Jesus was ushering his kingdom to the nation of Israel, and he was preaching the, uh, the gospel of the kingdom to the Israel, which was not for the Gentiles. Being rejected by his own people, now it opens up and the gospel goes also to the Gentiles. We can see this in the book of Romans, I believe chapter 9, we will, we will study it later. So the judgment on Israel is, the gospel goes also to the, uh, to the Gentiles and they are uh, being saved. Uh, Jews do not understand these national languages gospel is being proclaimed something glorious is happening but the Jews says what does it mean they are drunk we we cannot we cannot get anything from it for us it's just ununderstandable uh, babbling you know uh, not not clear sound now turning into the first Corinthians chapter 14 all what has happened is being explained by Paul here very practically and he says verse 14 follow after charity uh, pursue love uh, agape love God's, God's uh, unconditional 
love source to God. Uh, and desire spiritual, you know, desire spiritual things or spiritual gifts. The word gifts is not here. But rather that you may prophesy. Now he's making the point, and we will see it. Uh, the word prophesy means actually uh, to speak out for God. And it means uh, delivering a message or being a preacher. So let me see this uh, reference. Yeah, prophesy, propheteo, uh, to speak for God, the divine being placed into the office. So in, in the nowadays, when the church is established, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pastor, it's a preacher. Uh, uh, that's, that's the modern day uh, prophet, uh, not speaking forth, like for, foretelling, but speaking for God. Now he that speaks in, in not understandable tongue or language does not speak unto man, but unto God. This is important. Uh, and if you believe in uh, tongue movement, in so-called babbling, think about this passage and put the word babbling there. I have no problem with this. But at the same time, think about it as about national languages, because there's a true meaning. And actually, Paul is dealing and addressing with uh, usage of the tongue or the language, uh, un understandable language, and the babbling can be part of it. For he speaks in an ununderstandable language or tongue, not unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him. And that's the point. Although in his spirit he speaks mysteries. If I come to Serbia and I speak Czech, mysteries of God, great things, nobody understands me. So I do not speak to man because they have no benefit of my communication and I am for them like a drunk man, like a barbarian. Uh, the only one who understands me is God himself, saying here. So speaking in unknown tongue, unknown language, it's written here, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It's not unto man for communication. Now, let's, let's continue. He that prophesies or preachers speaks, he that is preaching, normal preaching, speaks unto man for edification and exhortation and comfort. So you see, the message, the preaching, is for these purposes. Speaking in ununderstandable language makes no benefit to anybody. Nobody understands. Verse 4. He that speaks in ununderstandable tongue or language edifies himself. Of course, I know what I speak. Great things. But he that preaches in understandable tongue edifies the church. So speaking in a tongue that nobody understands has only actually has no benefit for the hearer. Only I am edified because I know what I say. Verse 5. I wish that you all would speak with the languages, but I would rather that you prophesy in a clear language. For greater is he that preaches clear sound than he that speaks with ununderstandable tongue or language, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. And exactly, if I visit some Serbian church here and I speak Czech, nobody understands. 
uh, I'm like a barbarian to them. Uh, I edified myself. God understands, but I cannot speak unto man, except there is interpreter. Give me interpreter. I can preach. He interprets, and the church will receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with ununderstandable tongues and languages, what shall I profit you? Nothing. You will not understand. Only the prophet is, if I speak to you in a clear communication by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or preaching, and by doctrine, by teaching. So he says it, if I come unto you and I speak with ununderstandable language or tongue, you have no prophet. The only prophet is if I speak in a clear language, revelation, knowledge, prophesying, doctrine. Then he comes into the picture, verse 7, that there are things without life, pipe, harp, and they have to give distinction in the sound. Otherwise, nobody knows what is piped or harped. Exactly. The language has to be clearly communicated. For if the trumpet gives uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? We know this from the history to to do to to do, and and the army knows if they get into lines or if they hide, if they go to the attack or if they retreat by what is being played on the trumpet. Uh, there's a clear clear sound. If you play unclear sound that nobody understands. Nobody receives edification. Nobody receives the information. Nobody knows what to what to do. Uh, so again, think about this in this picture of, uh, of uh, judgment. Being drunk, not having clear communication, people do not receive the benefit of it. Uh, and we said, it's, it's all natural, it's a soulish psychikos, it's a person who drinks because he's uh, focused on his emotions, and it can even become demonic as we mentioned in Isaiah 28 when when he starts to speak for another spirit then he's being as an instrument being used by the demons communicating for them uh, verse 9 so likewise except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood how shall it be known what is spoken if the trumpet doesn't give a clear sound, nobody understands. Verse 9, so likewise you, when you utter by tongue the words easy to be understood. Otherwise, nobody understands what is spoken and you will just speak into the air to nobody. We saw it. There is many voices in the world. But none, none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Exactly. If you have two people communicating in a language they do not understand between each other, in a tongue that they do not understand between each other, they are like barbarians one to, one to the other. We mentioned this. Even so, you, as much as you want to be spiritual, seek that you may excel in the edifying of the church with the clear tongue. Therefore, verse 13, let him that speaks in 
not understandable tongue or language, let him pray that he may interpret. You know, you need interpreter. You need interpreter. You need translator. It's it's a, it's a so simple. For if I pray in not understandable language, verse fourteen, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Uh, just repeating uh, verse sixteen. You see uh, the B part. He understands not what do you say. Just a simple logic in communication. He's explaining here how to use certain gifts. Uh, we also say you have a you have a gift for languages. You have a gift for tongues. You are gifted for this. How many languages do you speak and etc. That's what the Paul is speaking here. For if you speak in this own language and not understandable to others, verse 17, you really give thanks well. You know, you are edified, God understands, but the other is not edified. The hearer around you, the hearer next to you is not edified. And he says, Paul, in verse 18, and I thank God, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in unknown tongue. I am in Serbia now. I should speak Serbian. Uh, better for me if I say five words in Serbian to people who understand Serbian only than delivering a whole message in English to an audience that they do not understand English. That's what we do. Uh, we communicate in English because it's easier for us. But when we meet a group of people who do not speak English, we communicate in Serbian. Bog se zaista brine o tebi. Bog ima plan za tvoj život. Bog je umro na krstu i platio za tebe. I prolio svoj krv. I ko povjeruje u njega, uh, ima oproščenje i dobije život večni. Uh, of course, this was not... Uh, well done Serbian, I, I did my best, but that's the point I'm making. Uh, if you speak to a certain group, use their language that they can understand. Otherwise, what's the benefit? He's just explaining it here. Verse 20, brethren, be not children. This is childish. Brethren, be not children. Just understand it. And he says, but in understanding, be man. Just grow up. Just grow up from this, from this error. Verse 21. In the law is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to these people, meaning the judgment. And they will not hear me, says the Lord. They will not even respond to this judgment of invasion of other army. Instead of starting to crying to the Lord, forgive us, we repent, we go into uh, ashes and sackcloth, and we turn to God, they do not. They are so far from the Lord. And you see, he is repeating it here in verse 21, using this speaking with other tongues and other lips as a judgment to his own people. That's what happened exactly in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Disciples said to speak in 
languages, tongues, proclaiming judgment of Israel because the leadership has rejected uh, rejected uh, their their Messiah as as their savior. And actually, they are waiting in uh, Matthew twenty three verse thirty nine. Till the nation again will come to uh, national repentance and they will claim uh, and they will start to call on Jesus blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord recognizing that uh, Jesus was the Messiah and they will see whom they have pierced so as they will call Jesus will come back uh, and will return uh, so here is this Old Testament quote of tongues being used as a judgment when you speak with tongues why do you speak uh, with language that nobody understands are you uh, proclaiming some judgment on somebody are you making them clear that they are not part of this fellowship do you speak to them in parables they they would not understand and that they would get the point do you speak to them in other language that they would not understand what you speak but they would get the point that they were not included in the communication between two other people uh, that they are out of this communication that's the point that's how the languages are being used if there is no interpreter verse 22 therefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe you see this is what your bible says speaking in tongues speaking in languages is not a sign to believers make it clear but to them that believe not to unbelievers that's what we said because you do not believe you will now reap the consequence and that's we will speak to you in a language that you don't understand that's the part of this judgment it's either parables it's either different tongue it's either invasion of a foreign army there is a communication that you do not understand because you are unbeliever because you did not believe and the judgment is proclaimed on you but prophesying clear speaking preaching in the church is not to the unbelievers but for them which believe so in a church when you have a gathering of believers we speak with a clear sound uh, you see these verses 21, 22, 23 in the 1 Corinthians 14 are proof that the tongues are never to be used in the church. It's so clear. The communication is clear and should be clear. Unknown tongue is only as a judgment upon unbelievers. Don't ever speak by an understandable tongue to believers in the church because you are doing what? proclaiming some judgment on them verse 23 here it is if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with ununderstandable languages and there comes someone who is unlearned who doesn't understand or unbelievers which are brought from outside of the world to the church to become believers it says here Will, not, will they not say that you are mad? If they see you speaking in a language they don't understand, they'll say, you are cuckoo, you are mad, you are not normal. Uh, Lujak, in, in, uh, uh, Lujak in Serbian language. But if all, verse 24, preach in a clear language 
and there come in one that believes not, or somebody who is not learned, he's just brought by somebody, you know, come with me to the church, drove unbelievers. He is convicted, and uh, verse 25, the secrets of his heart are manifest, and he falls down on his face, and he will worship God and report that truly God is among you, and God is the God of truth. Clear communication in the church, uh, never speaking uh, in not un understandable language. This is the point. Verse 27, if somebody speaks this foreign language, let has translator, interpreter. 28, the same. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. There is never a space for a person to speak foreign language in the church if he has no interpreter. There is no place for it. Preaching. One, two, three. And then there is this, uh, and let other judge, let other uh, receive it and think about it, make conclusions. If any thing be revealed to one that sits, it's like when you hear a message and something speaks to you and you just see something and you want to add to it. It says, let the first hold his peace. Calm down, wait and sit. For ye may all preach and prophesy in clear language, just one by one, that all may learn and be comforted. Never that you stood up and you start to preach in the midst of other preaching and there is this like, uh, Babylon uh, thing that everybody speaks his own language. It's never in the church and says, verse 32, the spirit of the prophet are subject, spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. You cannot ever say, the spirit moved me, I stood up and I speak of the spirit and you proclaim something in unknown tongue or you speak in a church out of order. It says here, you hold your peace, if you have idea, just sit down and wait, one by another. The Spirit is subject to you. You cannot say ever, the Spirit moved me and I did this and I didn't even know what I'm doing, or I didn't even want to do it, but the Spirit made me to do it. No, the Spirit puts something on your heart, but He's subject to you. You say, okay, let's do it. Or Spirit gives you idea and you say, okay, that's amazing, that's amazing. I wait for my opportunity. One by one. Because God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all churches, there is no exception. This is repeated in verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. Verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches. Uh, and they will get explanation from their husbands. There is a certain order. We do not believe in women preachers, and this is not just the the uh, the main reference. There is uh, other references also. But we believe in order. No women standing up during the uh, worship, during the message, and starting starting to speak ununderstandable uh, languages or tongues, or starting to cast out spells or different prophecies or visions, this is not a part of the church. And this 
Bible of 1 Corinthians 14 is teaching it very clearly. Just follow your Bible. Verse 37. And we will, we will, uh, we will finish and finalize this. Verse 37. If any man think himself to be spiritual, you think you are spiritual, you think you understand the Bible well, you think you are not carnal Christian, you have a good relationship with God, you are spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. If you are spiritual, you will recognize this teaching of Paul that this is from the Lord. And consequently, you will obey it. Verse 38. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. If you want to ignore the clearly revealed teaching on the tongues, uh, ignore it. If you are spiritual, you will recognize it. That's what the Paul is teaching. So just basically wrap it up. We do not believe in the babbling in the churches. It's uh, uh, If somebody does this babbling, it's a soulish thing, it's emotional thing, and it may be demonic when the demons speak using his vocal cords, they, he speaks out of the dust. Isaiah 28, we mentioned this. We believe in speaking in languages, national languages, French, German, Polish, Czech, Serbian, Arabian, uh, uh, Persian, Libyan, as mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 2. And this was given in this occasion for a certain purpose, to proclaim a judgment on Israel that they crucified Christ, that no one recognized the Christ, and the gospel goes out to the world to the other nations. When you speak in a church with the foreign language, you have an interpreter. If not, keep silent. Don't speak because you would be speaking only to God or to yourself. Nobody else would understand. That's a simple order, simple logic. I just don't get it why so simple logic and simple order is being so misunderstood by, by many. Uh, there was a Pentecost this Sunday. This is the true meaning. The Jews, John 20 verse 19. Uh, the disciples, John 20 verse 19. Disciples were hiding for the fear of the Jews. And they were waiting for the promise to come. Acts 1.5 The promise of Pentecost. When it came, they had the boldness to proclaim the gospel. That's the true meaning of Pentecost. We are equipped by the Holy Spirit and God makes things decently done in order. If you are spiritual, you recognize it. If you ignore it, if anybody be ignorant, 1 Corinthians 14, 38, 39, let him be ignorant. But I plead with you, study. If you have questions, write us. We have a contact on our page. We are open to, to communicate. Uh, you are greatly loved by God. God has a great plan for your life. But let's, let's stay in truth. Let's recognize the authority of the scriptures. You know, let's not just claim that we are uh, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, uh, but let's really, when we claim it, let's really have it part of our life. Let's also live it. May God bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.